Welcome, everybody. So glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Alan. I was not here last Sunday. If you were here, you would know that. And uh, the reason I wasn't here is I went to Rocky Point uh, with the one of the 12 group, and we uh, built a home, uh, helped build a home for a family. This is a picture of our group in, uh, in Rocky Point. The family that, uh, that whose home we built is in the middle. Uh, you might look at that home kind of in the background and, and think, wow, you're really not that good at building homes. But, but trust me, it really is a great uh, home for these guys. And, uh, and we worked hard and had a blast doing it. One of the 12 is a, is, a, uh, is a group on Sunday nights that meets for the 18 weeks that are a part of our journal experience. So uh, many of you have these journals that cover 18 weeks. On Sunday nights, there's a group that commits to, to doing that. To over over a, over an eighteen week period, they commit to doing that, and the journey is actually a three year discipleship journey that we're walking out with these guys. And so, there's an opportunity to jump into one of the twelve uh, in August of every year and in January. And so, if that seems like it would be something that you would be interested in, we're going to give you some details in the upcoming months in terms of what that looks like, and uh, and uh, if you if you'd like to participate in that and kind of challenge yourself in that way. But this is the, the group that went to Rocky Point. If you see, look on the left, there's a sweet lady with a visor. Her name is Becky. And uh, she, early on on the weekend, she said, Alan, if you're here, who's speaking at church? And I told her that Don Doe was speaking last Sunday. And she said, she said, I think it was on the Friday, and she said, oh, I love Don. And then some others kind of heard, overheard, and then came in, and then a number of people repeated it and said, oh, yeah, we love Don. We love Don. Don. So this was a theme throughout the whole weekend. We love Don. Don is so great. I felt like, you know, that, that kid in high school with the really attractive older brother. Yeah, I know, I know. He's great. He's great. So anyway, if you were here last weekend, uh, I hope that you loved Don and that, uh, and yeah, I know you do. Yeah. You're, you're a bunch of Beckys. Okay, so, so uh, yeah, we love having a relationship with Don and that he comes and uh, shares with us. And, uh, uh, but uh, this morning, uh, we are starting a new series called Unnatural. If you have one of these journals, uh, I invite you to turn there to page, pages 10 and 11 in the journal. There, there's a list that, that rolls through this three-year journey, a list of nine essential roles. That as we go after this, this idea of realize your role in God's story, we've identified nine key things. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, this is what it means. It means going after these nine things. And so we're looking at this over the three-year period. Now, this morning, the role that we're looking at is the fourth one down, great grace giver. This series, this four-week series, is all about the giving of grace, the mandate for us to give grace to others. And doing that, that action is an unnatural action. We naturally want grace. We naturally want to receive grace, but it is not natural for us to give grace. Some of you do it and you've you're kind of you've figured out this role, but it is not natural for us to give grace. Imagine that you are at the airport and it's one of those airport days when the security line is long. We love those days when it's a quick journey, but sometimes you get there and you have to get there, uh, you know, extra early because sometimes that line is long. So imagine it's a long line and you've been standing in that line for an hour and just sliding your bag and 
You know the journey. You know the journey you're waiting. And then somebody comes along, and they're in a panic, and they're running there saying, let me through, please, please let me through. And they're kind of skipping over the, 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 the lines there, and they say, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm going to miss my flight. What's the natural response in that situation? You're standing there, you're going, <laughs> I got here early. I've been waiting for an hour. Why would I? Oh, sure, go ahead. You're 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 you're, you're irresponsible person, and and whatever decisions you make, just go ahead. I'll just go ahead and pass that on. Is that the natural response, or is the natural response to hold back that smile when the security guard says no, you have to go on the back of the line? You're going, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you kind of you can That's kind of the natural response. Grace is unnatural but it is a mandate from our king, from our creator. So we're gonna talk over the next four weeks about how we could stir that up. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your grace. I wanna start off with that. We, we need to start every day with that acknowledgement, God, that we, we live and breathe and enjoy life and, and endure the difficult parts of life because of your grace. So we are thankful for your grace here today. And we pray, Father, that you would, you would help us to, to see a picture of what it means to be the grace giver that you desire us to be. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. The discipleship journey I mentioned, we call it one of the 12, because the idea is imagine that you are one of the 12 disciples having that kind of intimate relationship with Jesus. Well, Peter was actually one of the 12. He was one of the 12 disciples, perhaps the most famous of all of the disciples. And at one point, he said to Jesus, he had all this interaction and time with Jesus. At one point, he said to Jesus, he said, how many times do I need to show grace and mercy to people? That I understand I'm to be a grace giver, but how many times do I have to do that? Is it just the once? Is it twice? Do I have to do it seven times? And then Jesus responds to Peter with a ridiculous story. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Matthew chapter 18, probably more than that, probably three-quarters of the way into your Bible. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 23. Jesus responds to Peter's question about how many times. He says, kingdom of heaven is like a king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is, a, this is a ridiculous amount that he owed. It says, it says you know, this version says 10,000 bags of gold. Some equate that to perhaps $10 million. Some would even say it's $10 billion. It's a whole lot of money. Whatever the actual number is, it's something none of us here in this room can relate to the idea of having that kind of debt. If you have that much debt in actuality, ah, uh, if... if if you can handle that much debt in actuality, I really, really want to meet you. I really just want to talk. 
I really would. Okay, so, but most of us in this room, we can't, we can't even fathom those kind of numbers. How someone could get into that much debt, 10 million, 10 billion or whatever, how that could even be a possibility, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to worry about that. The idea is, we read this story, this is the debt that this guy was given grace for. And then, in the next verse, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. And that varies on the estimate in terms of what the equivalent would be today. Some would say it would be like 50 bucks. Some would say maybe, maybe a few thousand. But it's significantly less than the, uh, the 10,000 bags of gold that the servant was originally forgiven. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The exact same thing that he said to the king. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This second part of the story is even more ridiculous. I mean, this guy, after leaving the presence of the king and being relieved of debt of 10,000 bags of gold, he should have been singing and dancing like he was in a musical. He should have been spinning around light posts and, and kissing dogs and petting babies and doing whatever one would do after a situation, just an absolute celebration. Could you imagine being relieved of $10 million of debt? But instead, he goes up to somebody who owes him the equivalent of, let's say, 50 bucks and says, you owe me, grabs him. And gets aggressive with him. You have to pay me back. You know, most of us, we hear that story, we read that story, and we just think, it's ridiculous. It's just, who would ever do something like that? The reality is, we do this all the time. We read this story and we think, it's ludicrous. But we do this exact same thing all the time, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have been forgiven a debt. You have received the grace from God for a debt that you could never pay. A debt way more than $10 million, $10 billion. It's the debt that covers the separation between us and God because of our sin. It is the debt that Jesus paid on the cross. Jesus the King pays that debt for us, and then we walk away and withhold grace from others because they owe us 50 bucks. Or not just money, they owe us in some other way, and we say, and we say I will not forgive you. And maybe you're not yet convinced. Maybe the story is just so ridiculous, and you just think, yeah, I, I would never do something like that. If that's you, what, what would your natural response be? What is your natural response when you are wronged, when someone owes you, when someone needs grace from you? Not the response perhaps you've learned because you've matured over the years, but what's your natural response? Just kind of without thinking, boom, first natural response. The Bible understands very clear what that natural response is. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, passive-aggressive comment, for a passive-aggressive comment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just a joke. Can't you take a joke? We, we, when we get hurt, we hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And so our natural response is to, is to hurt back. There's a guy named Paul who was a, a leader of the, the church 
um, uh, in the New Testament time, the, or after Jesus had ascended into heaven, Paul was one, of the, was one of the leaders, and he wrote letters to a number of different cities to help them realize their role in God's story, to help them understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. One of those letters that he wrote was to the city of Rome, and in that letter, we refer to it as the book of Romans, in that letter, he says in chapter 12, he says, do not repay someone evil for evil. He says this because he knows that's the natural way that we respond. When we're hurt, we hurt back. And thousands of years ago, Paul just says, do not repay evil for evil, because that's what we do. But maybe you still are not quite convinced. Have you ever, as you have thought about people in your life, situations in your life, times when you've been hurt, have you ever said to yourself, I will never forgive that person? It's, it's, not, it's not you saying that I want that person to be hurt, I want that person to be, to be destroyed, but to just back off and say, I, I, I will never forgive that person. Sometimes when we think about, about that actual person or, or what that person has done, that's the first thought that comes to our mind. We just, I can never forgive. We may have some other thoughts that pop into our mind. You know, thoughts like, I want that person to rot in the depths of hell. But, but we know that. We, we can't say that. We can't think that. That's not going to fit in, in a list of things that Jesus says, yep, okay, you can do that. You can say that. We know that. But there's this other phrase, there's this other thought of, I don't want to hurt them. But I, I can never forgive them. That, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? It seems reasonable. It's, it's, it's even, you know, socially acceptable in the church to just kind of say, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I'll never forgive that person. It even says in the Bible, you know, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we judge those who trespass against us. Isn't it? It says something like that, Right? I mean, this is, this is, so we're on this journey, this, uh, this, this book, this green book, and the theme for the journey is growth. And let me just tell you or remind you of some sobering truth. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to move from here to there in terms of your relationship with Jesus, we can't say, I will never forgive that person. It's not going to be easy. It's not, it's not going to be instant. There's a process, there's, but for us to just land and say, I will never forgive that person. When we do that, we are withholding grace. We are the person in that story. Whenever you read a parable, whenever you read a story like this in Scripture, one of the stories that Jesus tells, we are to, we're to read it and say, who am I in this story? And let me just tell you, in this story, you are not the king. Just to let you know, just to help you out. When we withhold grace from someone else, we are that person in this ridiculous sounding story. So grace is amazing. Could you imagine someone coming up to you and saying, hey, your mortgage is taken care of. Oh, it's done. It's wiped out completely. You do not have to pay that anymore. Done. Or someone come up to you and say, your student loans, and the loan, student loans for all of your kids is wiped out. It's just done. We lost the records. It's done. Oh, so grace is amazing. We're going to talk more about that next week. But why is it so unnatural for us? Why is it, 
Why is it that we would ever withhold grace from somebody? We know grace is amazing to receive. Why would we ever withhold grace from somebody else? There are a number of reasons. I want to address a couple this morning. And these, aren't, these aren't the only reasons, just a couple this morning. The first, one, re, one of the reasons that we may withhold grace from others is that we don't think they deserve it. And so we put ourselves in a position where we kind of, we, we like to evaluate whether or not somebody deserves grace. See, you and I, you, you, all of you and I, we deserve grace here in this room. We deserve a second chance. We deserve the benefit of the doubt. But those people who wronged us, those people at the 11 o'clock service, the, they got issues. They don't need grace. They need justice. See, because there's, there's two pieces that are always bouncing around here. There's grace and there's justice. Two very important things. God is both gracious and God is just. So we value justice. And we say, justice must be done. Dun, 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 dun. These people must learn a lesson. They must learn a lesson. But when you look at the list of roles, the nine essential roles that we're tackling as a part of this, of this discipleship journey, you are not going to see the role of judge, of justicer, justice giver. That's not unless you are a, a police officer or a court judge, and that's actually a part of your job. That's not what we are supposed to bring to the table. We are to be grace givers. That's the role we are to play. Later on in Romans chapter twelve, Paul he talked. To, he, you know, he's the one who said, "Do not repay evil for evil." Two verses from that, he said, he said, he says, "Do not take revenge." Do not, in your circumstances, when you're upset and you're mad and you, do not, that's the natural response, is evil for evil, taking revenge. Do not do that. And then he pulls a quote from the book of Deuteronomy, deep in the Old Testament, where God says, vengeance, justice, is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. In other words, that's not our role. That's not our job. That's God's job. And this is a big deal. I, you know, oftentimes when I talk with, with adults about what's going on and anxiety and holidays and, you know, different, often what, what comes up is the, is, the, uh, is the pain of some kind of relationship with a parent. Often it's with the father. And so there's, there's so much tension there. And the reality, uh, uh, sometimes for some of us in our relationship with our parents or with our dad or with another uh, significant person in our life is we just think, I'm supposed to give, give grace here? But what I really think needs to happen is justice. That I was hurt and nothing was done about it. Nothing was taken care of it. Justice needs to be done. So how am I supposed to give grace in that situation? It is a very real situation for many of us here in this room. And so the natural response is to withhold grace. Whenever we talk about forgiveness, whenever we talk about giving of grace, one of the things that comes up is people saying, so am I supposed to just take it? Over and over again, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just supposed to take it time and time again, and I can't hold back, I can't push back. Well, just remember, the king does not give the servant control over all of his resources. He doesn't say, hey, open the door, yeah, you've totally messed up, but here, we'll give you the whole thing and mess up. No, all the king does is relieve him of his debt. All the king does is say, you no longer owe me. 
We don't have to be best friends. But we have to do the unnatural thing of giving grace, of not withholding grace. So that's one of the reasons we withhold grace is that we, we, don't, we, we evaluate whether or not someone deserves it. Another reason we, we withhold grace is that it costs us something. Giving grace costs us something. The, the servant in this story, he was relieved of a debt of 10,000 bags of gold. That doesn't mean he walked away from the king's palace with barrels of 10,000 bags of gold. It means he was relieved of a debt. He didn't even have one bag of gold when he walked away and had an encounter with the other servant. He had nothing. He just had his debt relieved. So when he came up to the one who owed him something, he still needed money. And so you need to give, I need you to give me the 50 bucks or the 1,000 bucks or whatever it was. I need you to give it to me. And so for him to relieve that person, it would have cost him something. Whenever we give grace to someone, it costs us something. Whenever we give forgiveness to someone else, whenever forgiveness is offered, somebody pays. Grace is amazing, but it always costs something. God's grace is incredible, and it cost him the death of his son, Jesus. Grace is amazing, but it always costs something. If somebody literally owed you money and you decided to relieve them of that debt, it's got to come from somewhere. So it's going to come from you. You decide to give grace to somebody, you're the one who's going to take a hit. It's going to cost you something. Much more importantly than that, if, you need, if someone needs forgiveness from you, if you give that forgiveness, it is going to cost you something. What that means is, is you need to clear that account. If you offer forgiveness to somebody then you can't bring up that issue later on. You can't hang on to that and bring it back later on when it serves you. Two years down the road to say, yeah, but you're the one who did da 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 No, when we do that, that means we have not forgiven that person. When we forgive, it costs us something, and it can be painful, and that's why we withhold. That's why we don't do it. So, grace is unnatural. It's not the natural way that we respond to life, etc. And there's a mandate from our king to be a grace giver. So how do we make that work? A couple years ago, uh, a few years ago, I went to the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee. And when I came back from that, I, I shared this with you before. So forgive me for sharing it again. Ask for grace to be able to, to share it once again. But I think it's worth repeating. Just, a, just the, the observation from this incredible museum. The National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, uh, Tennessee, for those of you who have not been there, it is actually located at the Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King was shot and killed. They preserved the outside of the hotel just the way it was uh, when it happened, but they gutted the inside and they made this incredible museum inside. If you're ever in Memphis, I highly recommend you to go visit it. They have a section there where they covered the sit-ins from the 1960s that, that all of us are familiar with, that uh, these, these courageous African-Americans who went into uh, restaurants and sat at counters that were only for white people. And they, had, they have videos, they showed videos of people coming up to them 
and yelling at them and spitting on them and pushing them over onto the ground and kicking them on the ground. Just You watch it and you go, how could a human being treat another human being that way? And how could these courageous, peaceful people respond in that way that is so unnatural? How could they resist giving evil for evil? How could they do that? And what, what really struck me, what the, the new part of it, I had heard about that, but the new part of it was just, just over to the left, there was another screen showing another video of young African-Americans sitting at a fake restaurant bar table and having white actors or friends or colleagues come up to them and yell at them, get right in their face and yell at them and push them around and stir up the, the anxiety of the moment in training for when they would have to actually do it in real life. How, how, do we, how do we learn how to do something that doesn't come natural for us? We train. We grow. That's what this theme for this series is. We, we grow. We, we, we train our brain to resist the natural response and embrace the unnatural response, which is what these courageous men and women had to do. To just say, how, how can I get rid of what my natural response is and actually respond in a way that is going to help the situation, that is going to honor Christ? How can I be a grace giver even in a situation where they don't deserve it and it is going to cost me something? This morning, as we get started with the series, all we're starting with is the realization that grace is unnatural. That when we see the phrase grace giver, that we realize there's a part of us that is very resistant to that. It is natural to receive grace, to love grace, to welcome grace. It is natural to evaluate whether or not somebody deserves our grace or whether they should have justice. It's natural to avoid the cost of grace because that is a reality. It is unnatural to take this story seriously, this ridiculous story that Jesus tells, to see ourselves in that story. It is unnatural for us to, to pass on the grace that has been given us, to forgive those who trespass against us. And so the homework for this week as we get started is just to recognize if there are any people or moments or situations in your life where you are withholding grace. You don't have to do anything with it right now. We're gonna, over the next three weeks, we're gonna try to train and think, how can we think about that differently? So for now, as we get started, is there a person, a scenario, a part of your past where you have been withholding grace? And just, just recognize it to get started. And we'll see what God wants to do with that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you once again for your grace. And I pray that we can take it, absorb it, be thankful for it, and roll that into being a grace giver with others. Right now, just today here in this room, this week, God, would you just stir up in our hearts situations and people where, where we are withholding grace? God, 
which you, which you do in us what we cannot do in ourselves because it's unnatural. We, we don't have this within us. We need your power working in and through us to identify these situations, to see things we can't see. Just, it's just an unnatural thing for us to see things the way you want us to see things. God, would you stir us to be able to do that? We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.